Welcome to Southern Sisters Radio, the show for Southern women and the men who adore them. Join us as we celebrate life from a Southern point of view. Here's your host, author, founder of Southern Sisters Home, Jenny McCormick Earhart. Well, hello and welcome to the Southern Sisters Radio Show. Ah, I am so glad to be back with you guys this week. You know, we are the number one Southern lifestyle radio show in the South. Did you realize that? I'm not surprised, Jenny. Well, so, then again, we we might be the only Southern Lifestyle hey, Radio hey, Show. Hey, 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 <laughs> I'm not going to qualify it with that. <laughs> that's not important. We are one of a kind. That's what I've been hearing a lot lately from some of our listeners. Uh-uh. You know, I had someone email me this week and say, yeah, there's nothing else quite like you on the radio. And I am um, I'm choosing to take that as a compliment. <laughs> no, that's how she meant it. She was she actually told me she said, you know, I feel like I'm one of your southern sisters, uh, which is exactly how I want my listeners to feel. Which you are even you, you guys. Listen. Are you feeling a little southern sister? Oh, that sounds really bad. Are you, fe- <laughs> are you feeling true. are you feeling like a little southern sister? You know, yeah. there's a little southern woman deep down. Well, that's the thing. If you're a southern man who loves a Southern woman, mm-hmm. or you were raised by a Southern woman, or you got a Southern woman somewhere in your right. life, it's true. You get a little bit of that, of, that, of that perfect amount of Southern it, lady sass it does. somewhere in you along the it way. It becomes part of you. Case Absolutely. in point, you have quoted your mother to me on more than one occasion, right? Absolutely. It's funny how it comes back. Those words of wisdom that our mothers imparted to us, especially mm. those Southern mothers. Absolutely. You know? It's hilarious. There's a guy on on uh, on Facebook I've been watching. Southern Mama. Have you heard about him? Uh, oh my word. He is <laughs> he is so funny. Well, guys, welcome to the show. We are so excited to be hanging out with y'all on the weekend here in the South. And I've got some uh, well, a little personal uh, story to share with you. Something that happened last night. And my husband dared me to talk about this on the air today. So I'm going to go ahead and do it. I'm going to show right. him that I can I can face it. <laughs> so um, I don't know about you guys, but this time of year, uh, I love to open the windows. Oh, absolutely. We're in that, you know what I'm saying? We're in that brief little sort of euphoric period in in the weather where it's not too terribly hot yet, right? But the chill is, for the most part, gone. So you have those cool breezes, those springtime breezes. It's amazing. Right? I love to open up the windows and get a nice cross breeze going through, especially at night. Oh, yes. I just love to have fresh air in the bedroom, right? It feels so much better than the AC. It does. Yeah. Yeah, It's like fresh, smells good. Mm -hmm. um, But the only problem is um, we have a new home my husband and I purchased after we got married. We don't have any screens on the windows yet. We don't have any screens. So uh, I'll go to bed. Usually before he does, I was reading last night. I had the windows open. He came in. He saw the open window. And, uh, you know, basically kind of made some, well, I guess you don't mind bugs getting, I said, we're not going to get any bugs in here. It's okay. It's okay. It's just fresh air. No bugs. I didn't see any bugs come in through the window. Right. Okay. Whoa. So we, we shut the window, go to sleep. Okay. So I, I like to stay up late at night sometimes and read on my iPad You know, I'm reading, but depends on what kind of mood I'm in. If I'm looking for some intellectual stimulation, I'm, I'm reading a good book, uh, or sometimes I'm just, you know. Binge watching Gilmore Girls. It's okay. It's a girl thing. It's all right. Don't judge. Um, <laughs> so anyway, I was laying there. I was the only one awake, and I was hunkered down with my little glow of my iPad right in my face. Right, <laughs> I'm getting close to falling asleep. All of a sudden, something. I don't know what it was, but something flew at me. Zzz, and I mean, it was. It made a noise. <laughs> it wasn't like an innocent little mosquito, like a little. Bzzz. This was like a. Zzz, boom. You know, I mean, it was like. Did it hit the iPad? Okay, I, it hit something near my head. I think I think it bounced <laughs> off my forehead. Oh, no. Okay, so 
I don't just step out of the bed. I become airborne. Okay. <laughs> I, I jump up in the air. I landed at the end of the bed. Right. Earl's sound asleep. Next thing he knows, I am grabbing the covers, grabbing the sheets. I am screaming and pulling everything off the bed. <laughs> the pillows. I pulled the covers off of him. <laughs> He's laying there like, what? 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 You know? And of course, I'm like, oh my word, there's a, there's a bug in the bed. There's a bug in the bed. There's a bug in the bed. Right? So he he's flipping out. He's like, you know, so I, I turn on the light and I'm like, there's a bug here somewhere. We didn't see it anymore. I said, it felt big and scary. You know? So I'm on my knees. I'm looking under the bed. I'm looking behind the headboard. Right? I'm shaking out all of this, all of the sheets, the comforter, everything. Oh, no. It is a major trauma. Of course. In my bedroom. <laughs> that sounds terrible. But it was. It was awful. So, um, you know, we, we never find anything. No. Never. Be- because fi- the bug was smart enough, went whack. Uh-oh, I got to get out of here. Right? And took off. But that's scarier. <laughs> that's like in a horror movie when you see the evidence of something, but you can't quite find the killer. But you know he's there. He's he's in the house, right? So <sighs> finally, Earl calms me down. I put all, I literally had to put all the sheets back on the bed, tuck everything in. I, so I get back. I, I think we're okay. You know, and, and so I settle down. I fall asleep. Uh-huh. Okay. That's not the end of the story. Uh-oh. Okay, so I wake up this morning, right? I use my little routine. I come in. I'm starting prepping for our show. Mm-hmm. I grab my uh, grab my iPad and my cup of coffee, and I hunker down in the, in the on the sofa in the living room. And uh, I open up my iPad cover, right? And I look at the top of my iPad. Stuck between my iPad and the iPad cover is a leg sticking <gasps> out. There's a leg. It's a leg. And so I'm like... Oh my word! And so I pull back my iPad. There's a moth. Okay, oh okay. my god! So the good news is it wasn't something worse. It wasn't like a palmetto bug. Oh or my t- word! Okay. No, it wasn't like a roach or something like that because that would have really freaked yeah. me out. Um, but this was what it was. But it was a big old hunkin' moth. And of course now it was squashed. It was <laughs> oh, dead. No. Right. So then I realized after all that chaos of trying to locate that bug, I actually then slept the whole night with my iPad right there on my bedside table <laughs> with a bug in it. <laughs> wait! 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 Is that the iPad I'm currently yeah. using to run a Facebook Live <laughs> yes, with? Yes, it is. Oh, oh. I got some Windex and I cleaned the okay, whole thing okay. inside and out. You I'll don't need to worry. You. I, pr- I'll trust I wouldn't you. have touched it if it had any remnants. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Earl uh, referred to this as my bug apocalypse. Well, it feels like that. It was at scary. Night. It's yeah. true. Yeah, I got need to get some need I'm to get some screens s- on the windows. I'm a six foot two big dude, and I do the same thing. Like, right? Oh, bug. <laughs> I know. I know. It'll it'll turn the the manliest of men. <laughs> Into, you know, sniveling scaredy cats. I totally get that. Um, Enough talk about bugs, folks, because that's really not what the show is about. You know what? This week is Cinco de Mayo. Yes. I'm looking forward to this for, well, at least two different reasons, the food and the cocktails. Oh, yeah. Those are my two favorite reasons for liking anything, really. (laughs) The food and the cocktails. Now, do you know, though, that for many Americans, Cinco de Mayo means, well, enjoying Mexican food, right? Probably a few margaritas, but Cinco de Mayo, which means May 5th in Spanish, is probably one of the most misunderstood Mexican holidays. Mm -hmm. Contrary to popular belief, Cinco de Mayo is not Mexico's Independence Day. No, it is not. You're nodding, you're shaking your head like you know the answer. Yes. Mexican independence is actually celebrated on September 16th, Mm -hmm. so it's not that. Cinco de Mayo commemorates the Mexican army's unlikely victory over the French forces of Napoleon III in 1862 mm-hmm. at the Battle of Puebla. Now, Mexico had trouble paying back war debts to European countries, and France, well, they decided to come to Mexico to collect that debt. All right? 
So, okay, this is how I kind of equate it. It's like uh, it's like a, a, somebody you don't like. Let's just say Comcast. Okay. Let's say you don't pay your Comcast bill, right? Yeah. And then one day they just show up banging on your door, to trying to come inside your house, and you kick their butt. Nice. That's what it'd be like. You know what okay, I'm saying? Because yeah. a lot of people are not big fans of Comcast customer yeah, service. Very you know true. what I'm saying? It's kind of like that. Now, today, Cinco de Mayo has become more of an American holiday than a Mexican one, right? We always like the drinking holidays. Yeah. We talked about this on that. <laughs> we talked about this on St. Patrick's Day, remember? Yes, we did. <laughs> yeah. But most non-American, uh, non-Mexican Americans have no real idea about the day's history. Um, now, this is, this is uh, I had a little comment here from Carlos Tortolero. He's president of the National Museum of Mexican Art in Chicago. He says, if you want to, if you go to any bar on Cinco de Mayo and say, what's this day about? People will be clueless for the mm-hmm. most part. And you really can't blame the alcohol either. Uh, but what he does <laughs> say is that Cinco de Mayo is a reminder of how many times Mexico has been invaded by other countries. But on this one day, May 5th. Mexico won the battle. Yes, they did. They kicked some butt. Yeah. That what so, you knew? You need to look into the story a little bit. It's really interesting. It's on Wikipedia. Really? It's really cool to know. It's kind of almost like the Spartan story. The I undermanned, love that. undernumbered, right. beat the big bad guy coming down yeah. because they were just a little bit smarter. Mm. It's a pretty cool story. I love that about them. And you know, that's my, my favorite two words in that story was unlikely victory. Yes. You know, because it's when you don't expect it, you know? Of course. You're the underdog, <laughs> not expecting to make it. And they, they were victorious. So happy Cinco de Mayo, everybody. Yes. And now we're going to get back to the important things. Cocktails and recipes. Ooh. You're thinking Mexican street corn. I've got a dish for you. Mm. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Southern Sisters Radio Show. Oh, yes. It's Cinco de Mayo in the studio. Yes. Mm. Now, depending on where you're, when you're listening to the show, if you're enjoying this on Facebook Live, you know you got Cinco de Mayo ahead of you. Mm-hmm. If you're listening to it on the air on AM 920 here in Atlanta, well, we're a day late. It's never too late to celebrate Cinco de Mayo. This this is my theory on it. It's just, for me, Cinco de Mayo is an entire weekend celebration. (laughs) Because whatever I'm making on Friday, I make a lot of it, and I'm nibbling on it the whole weekend. Of course. Uh Uh-huh. And, you know, if I'm going to make these cocktails, uh, you know, there's going to be plenty of leftover alcohol. (laughs) You you know what I'm saying? Are you sure? We Well, (laughs) at my house, yes. (laughs) Hey, Earl discovered that Costco sells wine this week. Really? Yeah. I didn't even know they did. did. Oh, my word. And their sommelier is amazing. They have one. They're they're wine buyer. that I watched a whole documentary on this. They have a wine buyer that travels the world, buys some incredible wine. We'll have to talk about that sometime. Yeah, we'll have to do a whole. He came home with a case of sangria. (laughs) Very excited about that. But you know what, guys? Cinco de Mayo. Well, yeah, it's just a little bit about the cocktails because that's kind of what sets the mood. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of these great Mexican cocktails have a few things in common. Typically tequila. Although yeah. not all of them, but <laughs> a, a lot of them do, right? Also, a lot of them are made with grapefruit juice, believe huh. it or not. I've got, in fact, it's, a, it's an agreement, ingredient in a couple of the cocktails I'm going to share with you today. we got a little combination of citrusy and the tequila, Ooh. limes. Typically, you have oh, some yeah. lime oh, in there. Oh, you've got to have some lime tossed in, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? Sounds perfect. Yeah, and this time of year, you really, you don't need to buy, folks, don't buy a bottle of lime juice. Just buy your, pick up a couple of limes. Oh, yeah. You squeeze a lime, you can get about three to four tablespoons of good, fresh lime juice out of that. And it just tastes better. 
does. It's something about it just tastes better. I know. You know, and I kind of, I don't buy bottled salad. I haven't bought bottled salad dressing in years, but um, I do. When I make my vinaigrettes, a lot of mm-hmm. times I just, you know, do a white balsam vinegar and olive oil. And if you just uh-huh. squeeze some lime in there, it just brightens the whole thing up. Hmm. Gives it that bit of citrus brightness. Nice. Mm. And so that's what we're going to do with our cocktails. I've got four of them Ooh. to share. Now, if you want to make all four this weekend... I won't judge. <laughs> I won't judge. Or you could have four of one. Or I don't four know. of four. Or four uh, of that four. That might be too much. That'd be too much. Unless you're going to share with your friends. Very good Because you can do. You can definitely make a, a picture of these, right? And share with yeah. everybody. My number one Cinco de Mayo cocktail is the Paloma Honey Cocktail. And it's delish. Can I Paloma say? Paloma Honey. Paloma. I just like saying it. Mm. Paloma Honey Cocktail. Someone comes over to your house this weekend and you say to them, uh, can I offer you a Paloma Honey Cocktail? They're not going to say no. Yeah. But it, I don't even know what it is, but I, I want right? one. Right? <laughs> right. It's all in how you say it. <laughs> We're going to start out with some honey simple syrup. Now, we've talked about simple syrup on the show before, classically Southern. Equal parts of water and sugar. Boil it till the sugar melts. Right? Let it cool. It's just wonderful. It div- you don't have to worry about sugar dissolving in your drink or not dissolving, yes. right, when you use the syrup. This is a honey simple syrup. So to make this cocktail, what you'll need to do is combine a half a cup of water and a half a cup of honey in a small saucepan. Heat it over medium heat, stirring often until the mixture is nice and smooth. Remove it from heat and just cool it to room temperature and mm. set it aside. Now, we're going to use this for our Paloma Honey Cocktail. But you could also sweeten tea with it, Ooh. hot tea, just about anything, right? Sounds good. Mm. Now, for this this cocktail, we're going to use an old-fashioned glass. That's about the right size. You want to moisten the rim of your old-fashioned glass with a grapefruit wedge. Now, of course, any glass would work, but you want a short one. Yes. Short and wide, right? You're going to pour some salt into a small dish and then turn your glass upside down and give it a twist, right, to salt the rim. Then you want to fill the glass with ice. Now, here's what you're going to pour into your glass. This is to make one serving, okay? You're going to need two ounces of fresh grapefruit juice. Now, you can buy the... You can buy it in the bottle if you don't want to well, squeeze I mean, it I yourself. I think this is almost the same as the limes. It if is. If you're willing to take the time to do it yourself, do it. Right. Because it really just does kind of add a little bit more freshness and citrusiness. Right. So. Not to mention impress your guests. If you absolutely. say, I squeeze these grapefruits just for you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So two ounces of fresh grapefruit juice into the glass with the ice. One tablespoon of fresh lime juice. That'd be about the juice of a half of a lime, right? Depending on the size. Two teaspoons of your honey syrup. More or less. I like it a little sweeter. I might put a little more. (laughs) And then two ounces of club soda and two ounces of tequila. Now give it all a nice little stir. stir. Garnish it with maybe a little wedge of fresh grapefruit. It's pretty. It's just pretty and delightful. Mm. And you're using this pink, the pink grapefruit juice. It has a little bit of a pink cast to it. It's fresh, that kind fruity. of spring tropical mm-hmm. color going on. Yeah. Ooh. But it can pack a little punch, too. Hey, well, you said two ounces With of tequila. Feeling, That's yeah. a good little bit. Yeah, two. And, and sometimes I'll put a little plus or minus after that. <laughs> there you go. It depends on how much you want. So the Paloma Honey Cocktail. Ooh. And uh, I'll post a photograph of this on my website, guys. You can always find the recipes at southernsistershome.com. We put everything on the blog. Oh, yes. That's Check where we That's where we do our magic. You, we really <laughs> would enjoy our website. We got a lot of fun stuff on oh, there. Yeah, we do. Now, this is my favorite, this next cocktail, mm-hmm. guys. Just listen to the sound of this. A grilled pineapple jalapeno margarita. Oh, man. Now, some people say cocktail, jalapeno. I don't know that I put the two together. Mm. Gives it just a nice, tiny little kick. You mm-hmm. see what I'm saying? A little bit of 
tiny, tiny bit of heat, but nothing that would overwhelm you. All right. So what you're going to do, this is so wonderful. Now, now listen, you know that if you're going to celebrate Cinco de Mayo, there's definitely going to be some margaritas on the list. So this pineapple and jalapeno twist brings a kind of a, I would describe it as a sweet, smoky, spicy element to a classic margarita. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Now, also, you're going to infuse your tequila with the jalapeno, and you can also save that and use it later. Like oh. you, could, you could just pour your uh, tequila into like a mason jar, put your jalapenos in there and, and oh. season that or infuse wow. that. Here's how you do it. Um, you're going to add, for this recipe, you're going to add one cup of tequila, and you're going to take one jalapeno pepper, slice it into rings, seeds, membrane, skin, and all, right? And you're going to add that to the a lidded container. I do mine in a mason jar. Then shake the tequila and the jalapeno together to combine, kind of allow the flavors to meld, and just leave it alone for about 12 to 24 hours. So if you're not doing this, and let's say you're going to have some friends over on Saturday night, you want to start this on Friday, that'd be great. You could also start it on Saturday morning, give it 12 hours, and you'll have what you need, right? The longer it melds, the spicier it gets. Ooh. Kind of okay. like me. <laughs> so if you're like me and you're a wimp, yeah. You don't want to let it, you know, sit too long. I forget that don't about it, you. Yeah, I like there's the nothing. Holiday. Otherwise, there's nothing wimpy about you. Well, you know. Uh, yeah, there's not. Maybe. No, if you don't want that much of a kick, just don't. Maybe six hours. <laughs> okay. You see what I'm saying? That's not fun. You could leave it out altogether. And I love frank. the little spicy kick, I'll though, that you add it. in. Is, is It's not too much heat. Jalapeno is a different kind of heat anyway. It is. It is completely so, different. It's not spicy. It's correct. just hot, hot. Right? Correct. Now, what you're going to do, though, is after you let it sit for this period of time, you do need to strain those jalapenos out of mm. that tequila. Don't let it continue to sit in there. It will just get hot, hotter and hotter. All right now, how about this, guys? The tequila will keep for up to a year. You can take what? this little mason jar. Yes, take the little mason jar, store it in the freezer if you want to. Nice. Mm-hmm. Keep for up to you. Now, here's what we're going to do for the cocktail. You need a pineapple, all right? And you're going to cut your pineapple into one inch thick rings, discarding the rind and removing the core. Okay? You can buy this already done for you. Yeah, you can at the grocery store, yep. right? So you're going to slice these into rings, okay? And then you're going to preheat your grill or your grill pan. Depends on what you feel like doing. I actually made this a couple of weeks ago at my house, and uh, it was raining outside, so I didn't feel like going out to light the grill. So I used my grill pan. Preheat your grill pan to medium high and oil it lightly. Grill your pineapple for four to five minutes on each side until you get a nice grill mark and it begins to soften slightly. Mm -hmm. Now, there's a little note here in my notes. It says, ice cream side note. That was... (laughs) That was so I would, that's because when I was working on the recipe, I thought I got to remember to tell everybody if you have, you want an amazing dessert, this oh. grilled pineapple with a scoop of vanilla ice cream. Hello. Oh my gosh. Hello. There you go. It's amazing. Okay, back to the cocktail. You're going to place the grilled pieces of pineapple in a bowl and allow them to cool in the refrigerator. Now, pull out your blender. Here's what you're going to add for a cocktail one and a half ounces of your jalapeno infused tequila, a half an ounce of triple sec. Two slices of the grilled and chilled pineapple and any juices that may have accumulated in the bowl. Three tablespoons of lime juice. Two tablespoons of sugar. One teaspoon of vanilla. How about that? Yes. And about three-fourths of a cup of water to the blender. Blend it all until smooth, then strain it through a mesh sieve. Now, that's just like I have one that I love that I use for straining all kinds of Mm -hmm. things. I set it right over the glass and just pour that through to catch the uh, pulpy pieces. You see what I'm saying? 
Um, so you're going to do that then then uh, to salt the rim, right? Remember this, guys. What you're going to want to do is, like most margaritas, you can salt. You can do the rim with salt or sugar. I've yes. had it. I've had it both ways. You say, this sounds like it would probably be good with either of those. Oh, it'd be delicious. A little bit sweet or a little bit of salty. Yeah, oh, man. I know. And I would. I would garnish it with a little piece of your grilled pineapple and maybe a lime wedge. Oh, hello. There you go. We have time for one more, guys. How about a quick Mexican mimosa? Okay. This is a no-brainer. All you need for a Mexican mimosa. It gives you a nice little twist on the traditional mimosa. You need one ounce of tequila, three-fourths ounce of simple syrup, mm-hmm. right? Two ounces of grapefruit juice. There's your grapefruit juice again, yep. Nick. Three ounces of dry, white, sparkling wine. I tend to use Prosecco. Yep. You pour the tequila, the simple syrup, and the grapefruit juice in a champagne glass, stir it gently, and then you top it all off with that sparkling wine mm. and serve that Ooh, sounds yummy, too. It's happiness in a glass. It is. Happy Cinco de Mayo, guys. We've got the cocktails underway, right? Now we'll be right back with the food. So mm-hmm. hang in there. Welcome back to the Southern Sisters Radio Show. It's Cinco de Mayo, y'all. They don't say it that way in Mexico, do they? (laughs) But it's the perfect way for here in the South. Well, you know, right. With a lot of those uh, sort of classic celebrations, Southern people have a way of putting their own twist on it. Very true. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Right? I mean, you go to Savannah for uh, St. Patty's Day, right? Uh-huh. You can have you can eat grits while you're selling grits and corned beef. <laughs> I'd do that in a heartbeat. That's perfect. Though. Yeah, nothing wrong. And that is the way so many celebrations in this country have evolved is we've taken somebody else's idea and just kind of put our own twist on it. Absolutely. Yeah, we hijack another person's idea and we just have some fun with it. <laughs> We're going to have some fun in this segment with some Cinco de Mayo recipes. Ooh. I've got two really, really good ones for you that right. I think would go very well together. And they're slightly out of the ordinary. It's not your <laughs> typical tacos and burritos and enchiladas. <laughs> for those of you that have ever had the privilege, I say privilege because it's amazing, to have Mexican street corn, mm. which is to die for. So you know, good. Yeah. And you know, some of the, um, if you ever go to a, like one of those food truck parks or any events yeah. where they have those food trucks, yeah. sometimes they'll have one there devoted Usually. to Mexican street corn, um, which to me is just amazing because it's a, it's a grilled corn that they usually slather with like a, it's a mayo is the base, but they usually infuse it with like um, seasonings and herbs and yeah. cayenne, you know, spice it mm-hmm. up a little bit, some pepper, right? And they slather that on the but outside it, of it. Right, it like makes all corn on the cob a whole meal almost right. in and of itself. It's awesome. So good. You know, one of my first dates with Earl, he took me to the, uh, was it, was it the Renaissance Fair? I think we went the to Renaissance the Renaissance Festival. Renaissance, Renaissance Festival. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And I think it's actually going on right now. Is it really? I believe so. So much fun. Uh, he he loved. There was some act that he loved there. I think it was called um, Hack and Slash. <laughs> of these two crazy, quasi inappropriate com- comedic uh, comedic yes. presentation. <laughs> Don't take the kids. Um, but it, but we both got. I remember he bought me a, an ear of corn. <laughs> 
this thing. Now, you know, this is sort of in that like early dating phase where you don't want to look like a dork eating in front of the guy that you're going out with. And listen, I will tell you, I'm not one of those women that subscribes to, oh, we don't want the guys to see us eat. We only want to eat a salad. No, I'm not like that. But then again, go to town on the ear of corn, right? Yeah, right. (laughs) Chomp it into because you know they pull the shut the shut they shut the thing back and and that's like the handle, Mm -hmm. right? Let me like eating a big turkey leg. I say, did you get a turkey leg though? I don't remember. I don't remember a turkey leg. I just remember the corn because it was getting stuck in my teeth Uh, and it was, you know. And I'm like, if he loves me after this, he's a good man. (laughs) You know, he is, and he is. He does. (laughs) Okay, so guys, back to the Mexican street corn. We're gonna do nachos out of our Mexican street corn. Okay, so all of the flavors of Mexican style street corn in nacho form with grilled or charred corn, mayo, feta, cilantro cayenne and lime juice along with the nachos and oh hold on to your seats and a creamy melted monterey jack cheese sauce to go over it all oh yeah it's good that sounds amazing now cotija's cheese is one that you can use in place of the feta if you want it is a hard cow's milk cheese that Mm -hmm. originated from mexico and it's named after the town of cotija in in mexico so you can but if you can't find that in the grocery store a lot of them these days do carry it yeah actually they do you know with the prevalence of of mexican cuisine Mm -hmm. Uh, but feta is a nice substitute as well you can do that so here's what you're going to do you're going to melt two tablespoons of butter in a heavy bottomed pan over medium high heat and you're going to add about four cups of fresh or frozen I suggest fresh because it's so easy to do, Mm. right? Fresh or frozen corn, right, that you have taken off of the ear and let it sit in the pan until it starts to char a little bit. People get nervous about this because it starts to turn a little black in places. That's what you want. You want a little char on your corn. Mix it up, settle it back Mm -hmm. down, let it char some more. You got it? You're going to do that for probably about four to five minutes. Five to six minutes, maybe. Okay. You're going to remove it from the heat and then you're going to mix in two tablespoons of mayo. That's sort of that traditional uh, Mexican street yes. corn formula. It's going to give that little tiny bit of, 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 uh, of creaminess to it. And um, then what you're going to do is in a separate saucepan, you're going to mix one tablespoon of cornstarch into one cup of heavy cream. Hello. Mm. Yes. Bring it just to a simmer, then reduce the heat, and you're going to mix in eight ounces of shredded Monterey Jack cheese. Now, this is, you could make this for anything. Uh-huh. You could add some jalapenos <laughs> or some chilies and just dip your nacho cheese oh, in this. Yeah. We're, we're going to stick to the recipe, but, yes, I, I, but... Get, I get a little off topic when it comes to <laughs> cheese sauce. I start thinking of everything you can do with this. Now, what you want to do to make it pretty is you want to arrange your nacho chips on a serving dish, right? And then you are going to pour the cheese sauce all over the top of those nachos. You are then going to top that with all of the charred corn mixture. Just sprinkle that all over the top. Then goes the cotija cheese or the feta, your preference, right? And then I would would put in little dollops of sour cream here and there. You know what I'm saying? So everybody can, if you're sharing this. You don't have to share it. No. But Mm-mm. if you're going to be nice and share this with your friends, <laughs> you put some dollops of sour cream around, three tablespoons of chopped cilantro. Mm. Now, I killed all the cilantro in my garden last year. Why? I don't know. It just died. Oh, okay. <laughs> and so I, I sent Earl back to uh, Pike Nurseries for mm. a second uh, uh 
round of cilantro second, plants. Yes, next cilantro plant, which he came home, and I promptly killed that one also. Oh, no. And everything else did pretty well. So we are trying it again this year. We've got it this time in a pot in a covered portion of our back gotcha. uh, port. So I'm hoping to uh, to have some success. But if you don't grow it like I don't, just pick some up at the grocery store because you're going <laughs> to need two tablespoons um, of uh, of the, of the uh, what am I trying to say? Top cilantro. Top cilantro. Thank you. Sorry, momentary. <laughs> it's what okay. happens at my you, age? You're, 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 you're viewing, I think you're viewing the dish and the food. I am. And your hungry is taking ahead over of myself. a little bit right now. That's yeah, okay, though. It does. That's okay. Happens more and more at my age. And a little cayenne. I give it a little sprinkling of cayenne over the top. Ooh. It provides color and a little bit of heat. But you can keep a non, like, keep one in for Nick that doesn't have too much yeah, just a little corner cayenne. with a, a little, little less cayenne. Corner with a little less cayenne. <laughs> no, maybe absolutely. Some, maybe some pico. Pico well. would be great. That is another thought. Pico too for would that. be fantastic. Yeah, or yeah. some tomatillo sauce oh, or yeah. salsa verde. Salsa, uh-huh. maybe some green salsa. Oh. Now, I would slice up some limes and scatter those around and squeeze a little lime juice oh. over there, brighten the whole thing up. Hello. That sounds amazing. It is amazing. Yeah. It's delicious. Now, this is not a rounded out meal though yet. How about yeah. some carne asada? Yes. This is a great use for skirt skirt steak, folks. Uh Okay, now skirt steak, um, eh, you know, you get mixed reviews on it. But let me tell you, this is perfect for a skirt steak. It's more reasonably priced, right? And the way that we're going to cook it and cut it, slice it nice and thin, it's going to be perfect for this dish. Um, I would get yourself a skirt steak, cut it into maybe two or three large pieces. You're going to make a Mexican rub for this. Oh, this is good. You can make a bunch of this and set it aside, actually. You could, you could. Maybe do this times four if you wanted to and save some. But what you're going to do for our carne asada dish is you're going to combine one teaspoon of ground chipotle chili powder, one teaspoon of cumin, a half a teaspoon of oregano, and one teaspoon of kosher salt in a small bowl. And you're going to rub the steak pieces um, with about a tablespoon of, of oil and then with the spice mixture. Mm-hmm. The oil is like the glue that helps the, the uh, exactly. spice mixture stick to the uh Stick to the steak. Okay. And then so what you're going to do is you're going to squeeze juice from a half of a lime over the steak pieces. Okay. And then get your pan ready. I like to use a stovetop grill Mm -hmm. pan. You can do it outside on the grill. But if you're going to do it inside, heat your stovetop grill pan to about medium heat, medium, medium high. In a fry skillet or a stir fry, you are going to heat two tablespoons of oil. There you're going to add one large onion sliced, one red and one yellow pepper sliced, and one poblano pepper, which are those great big green, dark green, beautiful peppers. All of those you're going to slice up. Saute them in the oil for about four minutes and then add two cloves of minced garlic. Continue sauteing for another four to six minutes. The aroma is going to be wonderful. Mm -hmm. Just want to cook it till it's about crisp, tender, not too soggy, right? Um, And then what you're going to do is you're going to remove it from the heat and stir in about a fourth of a cup of fresh chopped cilantro and a little salt and pepper. Set that aside. Now, onto the grill goes your skirt steak, okay? You're going to grill your steak with all that yummy Mexican rub on it. You're going to grill it for about three minutes per side for medium rare. Then remove it from the heat. Always, always, always let your steak rest for a few minutes. That's what I suggest, about four to five minutes. Let it rest. And then you're going to slice it against the grain. Now, you, I would serve this. Now, you've got your beautiful um, sliced skirt steak. You've got your wonderful uh, sautéed onions and peppers and poblano pepper and garlic. What you're going to do is serve this with corn tortillas. Warm them first. 
Okay, are you envisioning this? My mouth, oh my is, gosh. My mouth is starting to uh-huh. water. Okay, so <laughs> you, you pull out one of those warm corn tortillas, place some of that yummy skirt steak in there, top it with a heaping pile of those peppers and onions and poblano. You got it? Can you visualize Squeeze this? just a little bit of lime on top. Squeeze. Hey. How did you know? Did you look at my notes? That's what it says. And a squeeze of fresh lime juice. Honestly, you don't need much else. I mean, oh. you, you could you could go all over and do lettuce and tomato and sour cream. I don't think you need it. I just have to say, do I've had tacos yeah. in a sense like that before. Yeah. And that is the most perfect way it is. to have them. It's oh, all you need. So good. Yeah, you don't cover up the flavors of anything. Mm-mm. Folks, happy Cinco de Mayo. You got your you got your grilled or your roasted jalapeno uh, cocktail, right? Oh, our grilled yes. pineapple cocktail and our carne asada. Oh my word. Oh. Mm-mm. I'm so glad we're talking about food today. I'm so hungry I, can, now. I am too. Go, <laughs> thanks for hanging out with us. We got another segment coming up. You're going to enjoy it. So come right back. Welcome back to the Southern Sisters radio program. Okay, that just brought me right down. See, the music is very important to our show. It sets the tone and the feel of each segment. This doesn't happen randomly. (laughs) I agonize over these selections. (laughs) From my very contorted and sort of crazily thrown together iTunes list. I think it's perfect. Yeah, yeah, it's nice, isn't it? Well, it's it's very true, actually, that classical music is very... um, it, it, it encourages the creative process. Absolutely. It was created by creative creative minds. You know, That's if you think true. about it, you think about that way. Um, Albert Einstein had something to say about imagination. Mm. He said, imagination is more important than knowledge. For knowledge is limited to all we know now and understand, while imagination embraces the entire world and all there ever will be to know and understand. That's awesome. Uh, he also said, creativity is intelligence having fun. (laughs) That's Albert Einstein for you. Now, Albert Einstein was a unique genius in that he possessed extraordinary gifts uh, for the sciences, which may only be superseded by his insatiable creativity. And sometimes we forget about that. We We think of these smart folks in history, right, as having very scientific minds. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Very logical, structured Mm -hmm. minds, analytical thinkers. Yeah. Right. They were also they had tremendous imaginations. Absolutely. They really did. They were they were great creative thinkers as the only well. Way they were able to reach that point of, of coming to the answers of things. Is right. They had to think of creative questions to ask yeah. in the first place. Yeah, they had to think of things outside the box. Correct. And some of these questions may have been ones that had never been asked before, mm-hmm. at least in their time. Very true. It's hard to think of any questions at this point in history that haven't been asked. I'm I, I, sure I'm they're out there, sure though. There's plenty out there. Mm-hmm. Well, this article is not about uh, Einstein's creativity. <laughs> this segment is not. Um, but it's about how we can expand upon our brain's creative ability. And there are ways to do that. Um, I have friends that will sometimes tell me I'm just not creative. I mean, they will say that about themselves. Really? Yeah. Everyone's got a little bit of creative something in them somewhere. Yeah. You know? I think, but sometimes people don't recognize it. I have one friend who she always says, oh, I'm not any good at, at you know, decorating my house. I need help. I'm like, well, you know, I think what it is is 
A lot of times people think they're not good at something because they're measuring themselves by someone else's standards. Exactly. Do you see? I mean, you and I may have different levels of creativity. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make one of us better than the other. Uh, We just do things differently. Absolutely right. I can't draw a stick figure to save my life, but by golly, I can make some pretty good radio when I try. Yes, you can. So we all know that creative ability. Right. It's your own. You find your niche and yeah. you find a way to express it. And everybody has their own creative process. Absolutely. The way that they do things that um, and they've come to learn. Maybe this is how I I know if I have to create something, I need to kind of be in this environment or mm-hmm. I need to reserve this amount of time. I know that for me, being particularly creative isn't something that I can necessarily say, OK, I'm going to spend an hour a day being creative. I, I can't just schedule it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't do well with just scheduling, <laughs> um, you know, because for me, when I have to be creative and I could equate this to perhaps writing either one of my books, even preparing for the show mm-hmm. or any other creative process in my life. Um, I'm better if I just block out a large amount of time to devote to it, yeah. meaning rather than doing it an hour a day for two weeks, I'm better to say I'm going to take this weekend and I'm not going to do any of my regular work. I'm just going to work on this. Yeah, that's that's definitely how I how I wrote the last book, my last cookbook. I just kind of hunkered down. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Even so, for some people, it's going away if they can get away from the house. You know, maybe at a park yeah. or at a Starbucks or you know. To me, the ideal situation would be to actually go away and stay in a hotel for two or three days <laughs> and just hunker. You know, hunker down yeah. with no distractions. For me, my creative process is is broken up when I have to do mundane things like, oh, now we got to stop and go unload the dishwasher. Yeah. Or now I need to stop and go wash the car. Whatever I'm doing. Correct. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's hard to schedule that. Um, but it is important to remember, guys, that you can expand. And leverage your mind's creative talents. And it makes no difference whether you are a naturally creative person, Mm. right? You can still harness some of the powers to unleash your own creativity inside you. Um, I'm going to give you some tips on how to train your mind to do this. Oh, okay. We might just be unlocking some, uh, some new Einsteins out there. Maybe. Some Mozarts, some Picassos. There you go. Who knows? You just listen to the Southern Sisters radio show (laughs) and produces Einstein's. There you go. (laughs) Right? How about this? Number one thing to do with the creative process is try to forget about the outcome. The best creative minds are much more concerned with the process, not the product. I I do find that to be true. If you're focusing too much on the end product, you're going to derail your project. It's just not going to, it's not going to happen. So by staying in the moment and focusing your attention on the task at hand, a good creator innately understands that a favorable outcome is then more likely. Mm -hmm. Stay in the moment. Don't don't be worrying about, you know, or if you're writing, don't worry about what's going to happen in the next chapter. I'm just working on this right now. You know, don't worry about what's what's happening in the next recipe. I'm just (laughs) working on this one right now. You know, and and you do that step by step by step. And before you know it, you've got a a masterpiece. Absolutely. Or at least a creation. (laughs) Whether it's a masterpiece or don't know. (laughs) Masterpiece in your own. (laughs) So enjoy the process and the result will take care of itself. Also, nix the criticism. Mm. This is hard to do. That is difficult. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I will tell you that as a writer and, and a speaker, I said, I'm, I'm prone to critiquing my own work. And I know that I don't know if this is, I don't think it's just a female thing. I think men do it too. You can sometimes take that critique, that self-critique to almost obsessive levels. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely yeah. so. And then what you're doing is you're derailing the very thing that you're trying to do right. Mm-hmm. You know? So, um, you know, when you do this, your quality of work will suffer. So, um, and so, a lot of times you can't even think clearly because you're so concerned about your own critique. Try to nix that. 
Okay. Well, and one way I've learned to nix that for myself is because doing what I do, I'll a lot of times go back yeah. and listen to it seven, eight, nine, ten times trying to figure it out. Yeah. You Instead of trying to pick out the things that are wrong with it, right. pick out your favorite bits. If you find yourself getting into that rut, you go, yeah. well, what did I really, in your case, when I did that last, you know, speaking... What did I just knock out of the park? Man, that right. one liner I hit was perfect. And you start to focus on those and you forget the criticisms you had and that is you keep so on true. rolling. That is so true. It, it and helps. And I think a lot of times with some of the things that you're doing, um, you almost have to just release yourself to the creative process. If you try to control it and harness it too much, you know what I'm saying? You stifle well, it. It was like when I, I remember the first time we did the show and I, you know, I came in with 100 notes. Uh-huh. <laughs> that is not the key to good radio. No, it's not. <laughs> no. Uh, as with TV, radio, or even just communication in general, folks, when you're talking to folks, just organic. It can't it can't be rehearsed. Correct. You know what I'm saying? That the fun is in the process. It like is. we were just saying, the fun is in the process. And sometimes the art is in the process. Mm-hmm. You know? Very true. So how about this? Relax. <sighs> now, high strung people like me have a hard time relaxing. <laughs> it doesn't come natural. At all. But stress is a terrible companion of creativity. Mm. The best ideas do not and cannot surface when the mind is tense. True. They must come naturally. So do whatever is necessary to relax. Go take a walk, sit beside a lake or under a tree, meditate, play a video game. Have a sip <laughs> of maybe a grilled pineapple and jalapeno Ooh. margarita. I'd, re- I'd relax a, really fast. Yeah, just hearing it, right? Right? Let's just say it again. Let's just say it again. So, yes, relaxing relaxing is, is essential. Not too, not too much. Uh, uh, there's not a lot of genius creative creative work being done under extreme stress. No, usually not. No, not, not much good happens under extreme stress, no. quite frankly. Okay. So what you can do is that you can read up on some creative breakthroughs people have had while relaxing, even while sleeping or dozing off. Mm. I keep a notebook on my bedside table because sometimes I'll think of things in the middle of the night uh-huh. or I'll wake up or I'll half half dream them, you know, when you wake up. And the problem is sometimes it's hard to recall them the next mm. morning. But if you jot them down or just jot down a couple of words to help you jog your memory. Yeah. I think something about when you're dozing or relaxing like that, one part of your brain kind of starts to shut down and then another part kind of comes alive. Very true. You know what I'm saying? Very true. Anyway, so there's a, a great idea. Also, this habit feel, feel, feels up or frees up, feels up, <laughs> doesn't do that. It frees up valuable brain resources that you can piece together other creative ideas. That's what uh, we were talking yes. about, right? Um, how about this? Read and then read some more. Mm. Now, perhaps no other activity stimulates the brain more than reading. Right. More so than watching TV or playing video games, making it an irreplaceable activity for creators. Right. So when we read on a consistent basis, whatever it is you're reading, new neural connections are formed in the brain, a process known as neuroplasticity, neuroplasticity. Right. So um, reading doesn't have to be a dreadful activity. Find any topic that's of interest to you. I'm not saying that you have to read about the creative process. <laughs> read something that interests you, okay? And uh, maybe try to spend a half an hour reading each night before you're going to bed. Yep. I, I'm a big fan of this. Yeah. It doesn't matter what? Fiction, nonfiction, It doesn't news, really matter. Because it's, it's not, you're not, re- you're not reading to to get creative ideas. You're reading to sort of make those new brain connections. It's like, it's like working out. If you're trying to be a good football player, exactly. you run. Well, yeah. I mean, you're not running from 40 to 40. You're just no, running. You're just Get running. stronger. Every day. That's what it does. Every day. I love the next one. Um, listen to Mozart. Now, we came into the sec- segment with Haydn, and I mm-hmm. believe he has the same attributes that Mozart yes. did. Um, I, 
I actually accredit some of my creative process to Haydn. Hmm. Um, I play him often at my house. There's something about Haydn and my brain that, <laughs> that connect together. But for, in terms of Mozart, um, we were speaking of Einstein earlier. He allegedly attributed his creative talents to Mozart, who was considered by many to be the most prolific and influential composer of the classical era. Wow. It's actually called the Mozart Effect. And an abundance of research exists to show that Mozart's music may induce a short-term improvement on the performance of certain kinds of mental tasks known as spatial temporal reasoning. How about that? Oh, I love I've that. always known that classical music is good for your brain. It is. You're, you're, you're not focused on words or anything else. It's just the rhythm and it yeah. kind of flows through you. Right. Absolutely. I used to play it for the kids all the time when they were young. And once they got over their complaining, they started to love it. Yep. They did. Mm-hmm. Guys, we are so glad that you were here joining us this week for the Southern Sisters Radio Show. Send us an email. We love, love to hear from our listeners. You can email us at radio at southernsistershome.com. Visit our website, Southern Sisters Home. Mm -hmm. Check out the blog for the recipes. Yeah, cocktail recipes. Happy Cinco de Mayo, y'all.